Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time for TSM Press Box. Opinions, analysis, and the occasional awkward silence. Here's your host, Jonas Siegel. Welcome back to another episode, Believe in the Press Row. Fresh off a huge week for the NHL announcing seven-year broadcast agreement with Turner, we wanted to dig deep into what this means for the league and the future in the U.S. market. Who better to give us the insights than Lee Burke, President and CEO of LHB Sports Entertainment Media. Lee's negotiated sports distribution deals with the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, and yes, the NHL. Right off the bat, I'll talk to Lee about whether or not this is a good deal for the NHL, why NBC may have walked away. We'll get into all things, including the Kentucky Derby, the NFL Draft, and one of my favorite topics, what is Amazon's goal in sports broadcasting today? But first, let me tell you about my friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest, easiest way for you to bet on all your sports action, including tonight's draft. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag. Use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. Bet Online, your online sports experts. Awesome day here in Seattle. Nothing going on. Just have my feet cropped up on my desk, twiddling my thumbs. Um, Sun is shining, 75 degrees. Yes, 75 degrees Fahrenheit here in uh, in Seattle. Awesome, awesome things to talk about today. Um, you're here because we focus on sports and media and all those fun things. That's why you, you tune in. The NHL deal with Turner uh, got announced this week. And there is nobody better, in my opinion, to talk about all of these things uh, than Lee Burke. Lee is the president and CEO of LHB Sports Entertainment and Media. He's worked in and around every league, every network. Uh, his bio says he's you know he was recognized in the Sports Business Journal in 2017 as one of the power players in regional sports networks. And uh, again, he's done things with the Blues, the Cavaliers, uh, a lot of work in and around MSG. Uh, a rights guru, if you will. Lee, how are you? Thank you very much for having me here. I'm, I'm shocked that the sun is shining in Seattle. So it's a rarity. That's why we call it out. So, <laughs> so, so let's uh, let's just get a little bit. So you went to the University of Michigan, as as some say, um, and and you live in in upstate New York, I believe. Yep, and um, Westchester County, just north of the city. How how did you get into the sports media business? Yeah, thanks. The bottom line, I commercialized a passion. I commercialized a hobby. I've always been interested in sports and media, the business side of it, and entertainment. And I followed my interests into a job that uh, first was at uh, Madison Square Garden and MSG Network. And blossomed from there, I ended up uh, the, the management of the garden moved on as the management tends to do at the garden. <laughs> and uh, they brought me in and they, their first client was George Steinbrenner. 
And Mr. Steinbrenner had an interesting idea of creating his own network without going through a third party. So I ended up co-authoring the original business plan for Yes Network, uh, which I'd, he paid us a very small amount of money, which allowed us to make payroll. And uh, the network was worth 880 million at launch and now is worth somewhere around 3 billion plus. And uh, at the time when this launched uh, around 2000, uh, I thought, you know, there's a business here. There's a real opportunity to work with sports properties and helping them develop not only media deals with third parties, but their own media platforms. I mean, at the time it was create your own network for cable and then it was create your own VOD network and then it was create your own wireless network and now it's create your own streaming network. And all those opportunities have popped up and I'd been you know, brought together in a range of various deals I've been involved in over the course of the past, uh, past 20 years. So it's, uh, it's been, like I said, I, I took the business interest I had, the, 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 uh, the extracurricular interest I had, turned it into a profession, and I've been very happy with it ever since. Well, we'll come full circle, I hope. But just can you try and quantify and explain the level of change going on in the industry in the last 18 months, let's call it. You know, it's interesting that when I got involved in this back in, you know, when a time in MSG and MSG Network, I, we were reaching a point where sports were migrating from, you may recall, from broadcast television to cable. And then maybe about 2010, everybody thought we had reached the end of history. That, uh, you know, the bulk of the sports was going to be on pay TV. The major, major events would, for the most part, be on broadcast. There was streaming the internet. It was kind of a side dish. It was, it showed highlights. It showed, you know, uh, supplemental shows, shoulder programming. And I think we all got lured into the idea that that was the way things would be forever and ever. But the reality is that when you're dealing with a industry based upon technology, media technology changes again and again and again. And uh, you have to be nimble and to move along with it and to move maybe not too fast, but not too slow either. And so there's always over the course of time change. I mean, the reality is a hundred years ago, uh, the big cutting, cutting edge media was radio. In fact, RCA was the first major commercial manufacturer of radio sets. And that was sort of the computer of its day. And even though people were maybe scared of it or seemed too expensive, RCA created NBC. And NBC, one of the first things they did was get the media rights for the audio rights for the World Series. And so people bought radio sets in order to listen to the World Series. So there's always been this move for and change involved with, uh, with media and technology, particularly with sports. And, but that being said, the past 10 years, in particular, the past four or five years has been tumultuous. All the assumptions that we've all made, and I say by we, everybody in the ecosystem, from, from networks to leagues, to teams, to distributors, uh, has been upended. 
streaming has come on in just a very, very quick way. The pay TV bundle is shrinking rapidly. The pay TV universe is shrinking rapidly. Here in the US, you have 30 or 40 million cord cutters, cord nevers who have never or will never purchase a uh, pay TV bundle. And yet 10 years ago, that was what you did. And yet kids, you know, moving into the job market, graduating from college, last thing they're gonna do is buy a pay TV bundle. They stream, they watch things on TikTok, they watch things on their phone. And it's coming to grips with that and then trying to, as usual, what happens in these changes, bring the business models, bring the contractual relationships up to speed with the changes in technology and the changes in consumer behavior. You're always in the process of doing that, but in particular, over the last several years, it's been at warp speed and it has been uh, tumultuous and, and very disconcerting for a lot of people involved because a lot of certainties have proven not to be certain. And as a result, you have to move very quickly in order to maintain your business and build your business. It's interesting because we, we read all the time, uh, the chicken littles, that ratings are down, uh, whatever that means, and, and you're going to educate us, ratings are down, and yet we see these deals get announced where revenue uh, or rights amounts are going, continue to go up. And I, I, I would suggest that part of the reason is that what exactly was a rating yesterday is not a rating today. And for the most part, it, it's, it's, it's the rights holders figuring out how to fish where the fish are, not where the fish were. That's correct. The, you know, the problem is when people use the term ratings, and quite often I'm interviewed by you know, some people in the media who just think ratings are Nielsen ratings. Uh, watching on linear, over-the-air television, you know, that doesn't begin to cover the range of screens, the range of viewing opportunities that are taking place. And, you know, if, if people are no longer watching broadcast television to the way they used to, but they are spending huge amounts of times, two, three, four hours a day or more on their phones or on their iPads or on their laptops, you know, devouring content, that's just the same, you know, and that needs to be counted in I mean, there's somewhat crude measurements like total audience where you say, okay, I spent five hours on my uh, laptop and two hours on my phone and three hours on my big screen. And therefore I've, I've, I've spent X number of hours total uh, watching content. But yeah, the ratings, the traditional ratings do not come close to measuring the ways that people are consuming content and in turn, uh, if you're not measuring that accurately, then you're not understanding that, yeah, rights fees are going to continue to go up because the reality is the things we're talking about today, things like NFL or NHL or Kentucky Derby, nobody's coming up with a substitute for them. They're exclusive. Uh, people want to follow them. They want to follow them on a range of screens and you need to be able to uh, measure the range of, of activity and interest in that. And in turn, that level of interest is justifying more than justifying the increases in rights fees that are taking place. So if you rewind for a second, you know, Gary Bettman comes into the NHL in the early nineties. I believe the NHL at the time was on ESPN. The deal wasn't all that great, but they were on the worldwide leader. 
In Canada, different story. You know, the, the deal over time evolves. There was a, a, a brief dating experiment with Fox and eventually he ends up on NBC uh, in an originally in a rev share deal. That's how bad it was, which yep. at the time he was chastised by many, but people who were actually smart, probably like yourself, were saying at the time he actually got the best deal he possibly could. And getting on N NBC at the time was miraculous. We fast forward you know, to the end of that deal, he was in the mid 300s, I believe, between NBC and some online rights. And he's now doubled that in the US to the mid sixes. Uh, pretty amazing week. And I think you would agree that the commissioner is, uh, you know, his job is, is, is at the behest of his owners. He's done his owners very well. Absolutely. Yeah, he's done a remarkable job. And, and, and keep in mind, and I don't need to remind you, there's a dichotomy here. And let me digress for one second. I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, and it had one of the first cable systems. It was a giant stick. And the <laughs> stick would bring in CFPL from London, Ontario. So I grew up watching Hockey Night in Canada. And that was just from, I mean, I, that's how I grew up seeing how well the sport could be produced and aired and presented. It was just a spectacular show, it still is. Uh, but you know, that was for me, my first exposure. And the dichotomy though, is that in Canada, which is a population roughly proportionally about a 10th of the United States population, uh, you're getting all, all this time until this past week, you're getting rights fees in Canada that are higher for the NHL than they are in the United States where there's more teams and theoretically 10 times the population. And it was because of a variety of factors, but Bettman to his credit uh, was aggressive in terms of figuring out the right platforms, the right rub off, the right media partners, ESPN, NBC, brilliant thing that he pulled off several years ago was having the NHL become essentially a 10% owner in what is now Disney streaming services, uh, which allows 100 game, 180 games, I think, uh, are airing on uh, ESPN+. Plus. Uh, that certainly provided, I think, an entree to him negotiating in, a, in an extensive, aggressive deal with ESPN. Uh, still wanted to demonstrate that he was more than just one network in the United States. Uh, NBC balked, uh, came in with Turner, doubled uh, his rights fee uh, in the U.S. And to the point now, I believe the Rogers deal is roughly about $400 million a year in Canada. So for the first time, I think in NHL history, the U.S. rights fees are higher than the Canadian rights fees, which again, on the face of it, seems like it should make sense. I mean, the league is in both countries, but uh, I think it was you know, the, the word that's always bandied about is vision. And he had the vision as to how a major league, a major pro league in the United States should be viewed, treated, partnered, distributed. And it's a long-term play over, as you said, you know, nearly 30 years, but he's finally brought it to, to fruition. It's been suggested to me that by virtue of Bettman doing the uh, the Turner deal and the ESPN deal, as opposed to NBC, there is a great, I mean, you may not know the answer to this, but there is a greater likelihood for Bell and TSN to be involved in terms of 
people, talent, et cetera, than there was before, or certainly versus Rogers, obviously. Is there something there in the relationship with Disney and Bell and TSN or Turner that would seem to suggest that this could be uh, increased value for, for Bell, who typically has been sitting on the outside as a rights holder? Well, I, I, definitely TSN. I'll, I'll, I mean, there's certainly ESPN co-owns TSN. So I think you'd see a lot of cross-pollination. And, and I know TSN does a spectacular job with NHL free agency. I've sat in some, some hockey clubs offices during a free agency day and, and watched the way they cover it. They do a spectacular job. So I could see that, you know, being utilized. I could see the on-air talent being utilized. Uh, again, growing up watching Hockey Night in Canada, I think TSN owns the uh, old Hockey Night in Canada theme song. So hopefully <laughs> that, that can be utilized. That's just a personal request. We all do love that old Hockey Night in Canada theme song. That is for sure. Speaking with Lee Burke about the recent NHL Turner TV deal impacts on the game. I want to ask you, Lee, about why NBC may have walked away from the NHL at this stage. But first, I want to tell you again about my friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Any idea why NBC walked away? At, at what sounds like the 11th hour? You know, I think, well, there's a variety of things. And this actually goes to one of the other topics we're going to discuss, which is the NFL. I mean, the, it, it, look, the NHL has done a remarkable job. And the multiple that's being bandied about by a lot of pro leagues in the United States is, is at least two. You at least want to see your rights fee double or more. NBA tripled their rights fee in their most recent deal with the same group, Turner and ESPN. So he's done a remarkable job. That being said, the NFL deals, and they still have yet to be fully finalized, but starting in 2023, the NFL will be generating over $10 billion a year in rights fees. And once the direct TV or Sunday ticket deal gets struck with whoever, I think you're going to see close to $12 billion in rights fees. Uh, and that gets split 32 ways, that's a huge amount of, of money and substantially more than the NHL. So, but NBC was a major player in that. And I apologize for the digression, but if you're NBC, you have Sunday Night Football, which is the highest rated primetime show, as you know, on, on broadcast television. And they stepped up mightily to close to about $2 billion a year uh, per season on average. And uh, that takes a lot out of your coffers. And they also have rights coming up, rights deals coming up uh, with uh, Premier League. And I think there's going to be a very, very aggressive uh, bidding war for Premier League rights in the U.S. The ratings are decent. NBC's done a great job with it. Uh, in fact, in certain respects, they do a better job with it than than UK television does only because it's not fragmented. They offer up all games and all platforms, uh, but those rights are gonna go up substantially. NASCAR rights are up. And here in the midst of it, the, they, again, it seemed likely that the NHL was gonna strike a deal with ESPN. 
which they did, and ESPN got the lion's share of the rights. And so they go to NBC and they had been talking to them and they said, okay, we can give you a secondary package, but it's still gonna cost you far more than what you're the, the current 200 million that you're paying right now. And you're gonna receive less. You're gonna receive less than half the Stanley Cups, uh, you know, less than, and, and so, you know, at the margin, they have to make some strategic decisions and and utilize their funds as they see fit. As you know, they've shut or will be shutting down NBC Sports Network, which was a main platform for the NHL. And so I think at the margin, they made a business decision to say, we can't spend everything everywhere, even though we'd like to. And so we're going to have to back away from the NHL. Maybe impossible to tell, but you have any idea what Turner's going to do with regards to talent? Are they going to just look to, to the NBC talent and try and bring them over or too early to tell? Too early to tell. I mean, look, if you had your druthers, I mean, here in the U.S., you'd have Mike Emmerich doing every game, but, you know, he's retired. But who knows? Maybe he could be enticed back in, uh, depending on what's offered up. You know, you've got people here that uh, talent here that do extremely well and, and on NBC, including Kenny Albert and people like that. Uh, that being said, one of the things about Turner, and I've been asked about this in recent days, uh, why Turner? And, you know, Turner's not a 24-7 sports network, but what they do extremely well is showcase the sports they have. They come up with terrific talent on their own. Uh, you know, and certainly Charles Barkley and Ernie Johnson, that's, that's a rare show inside the NBA and that you tune in to watch that show, regardless of how good or bad the game is, because the chemistry is spectacular. The guys are tremendously entertaining and, and, and actually TBS for major league baseball for the playoffs. They brought in Pedro Martinez, spectacular job, uh, as, as an analyst, as a studio analyst. So they really, really, they do a great job. And cultivating and finding unique, quirky talent that's insightful, that has chemistry. So while they may look to NBC to pick off some of the uh, people that are there, at the same time, though, I, I trust the Turner talent uh, and, and, and management to come up with a talent that is going to be signature talent for them, that's going to help them give them their unique way of showcasing the sport, the way they showcase and NCAA, March Madness, and, and, and NBA, and, and Major League Baseball. I think the one thing that Turner does better than anybody else is tell stories about the characters in the game, not just the game. And I think the one area where the NHL has really fallen behind, when I was a kid, it used to get, it was blamed on the helmets. Nobody knows who these guys are with helmets. Mm -hmm. I think that's lazy. Um, you know, I'm hoping that one of the things that, that Turner does is find the way to, especially, it sounds so ridiculous because we're in the year 2021, but hockey has a story that needs to be told. And unfortunately, no matter how good technology is, TV is still not the same as live. So those stories are critically important and who tells them and how they tell them is, is to me what's missing. And I think a lot of the production today is lazy and that they don't do a very good job selling players and selling those stories. Uh, look, you know, like I said, I grew up watching Hockey Night in Canada and they had an armada of just terrific analysts and terrific play-by-play -play people. And they did a great job and they would run, you know, even before U.S. television, they would run essentially up close and personal style reports on players. And 
look, I'm sure that knowing some of the Turner Sports management people, they will look to, you know, how, uh, you know, Rogers and, and CBC and everybody have done uh, and TSN have done hockey over the years and come up with a signature style that works well for them. ESPN already has some terrific talent in-house. Steve Levy, I'm sure, will have a major role. Uh, Sean McDonough, I think, will have a role. Certainly, uh, you know, Barry Melrose, I think we'll see the return of Barry Melrose. Uh, you know, there'll be a lot of, they have a lot of talent that's there, that's eager. Linda Cohen, I think, is very eager to, to come back to hockey. Uh, but I think Turner will come up with its own unique style and, and, and will offer up the sort of profiles that, again, they do a really good, it's not 24-7, they are offering other sh entertainment shows and series, but they'll come up with a way to showcase it in a very distinctive way. So in a few hours, the NFL draft takes place. And if you turn back the clock a year from now, we, the appetite for that kind of content distraction from what was going on, certainly in the world, North America was all time high. Um, if, if my number's right, the, the, the draft last year, the first night drew 15.6 million viewers which I think was a record, 37% uh, increase year over year. Um, a lot of the noise, if you will, from previous years got reduced by virtue of the fact they were virtual and they didn't take as much dead time. Uh, seeing players get picked in real time at home was, was epic storytelling. Uh, and that was, was, by the way, that was, as you recall, that was the, literally the only game in town. Nothing else was being played. And talk about a, people longing for a sense of normalcy, something to occupy themselves, stuck at home, uh, you know, fighting the pandemic. It was that wasn't it, political. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. It was the perfect event at the perfect time. So if you're looking into your 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 uh, magic ball, so to speak, Aaron Rodgers has delivered the gift of all gifts, or or at least somebody has that he's not going back. Unlikely to be returned to Green Bay. I'm not sure if you saw it, but before we came on, somebody released the word that he's really interested in in the uh, the Jeopardy gig. I assume that is a gift to the ratings holders for tonight because Packer Nation, and they were going to watch anyways, but a lot more people are going to be tuning in, looking for explanation, hoping that something happens. What do you think the ratings are going to be like tonight? Oh, gosh. I, you know what? I, I... I think they'll come close to the 15 million. I don't know if they'll get there. There are more distractions these days. Thankfully, we're in a, in, you know, a different world. It's still not in a, a totally safe world, but it's a, it's a better world than it used to be. And, but, you know, yeah, the, the Aaron Rodgers thing came out and ESPN was more than happy to jump on it. <laughs> and you add that to the whole Justin Fields controversy and, and wanting to see Trevor Lawrence selected and where these other quarterbacks are going to go. And now New Orleans says they're going to trade. You know, everybody's getting engaged. Every market's getting engaged. And there's enough there for casual fans and football junkies to really, uh, you know, dive into. And I think the ratings will be fine. I think they'll be strong. Um, it's tough to see if they get to 15 million, but that being said, you know, the best thing about the draft, it just demonstrates the power of the NFL. It will be on here in the U.S., three networks. It'll be on ESPN, ABC, and NFL Network. 
Fox announced a uh, a hang, essentially a, a watch party on their Fox Sports website that Trey Wingo is going to host. You know, so and the reality is you're looking at essentially people being walking up to a podium and being selected for various teams. That's it. They don't play. They don't run. They don't throw a catch a pass. They don't do anything. And yet the ratings are enormous. And that demonstrates, and as compared to the ratings you get for an NHL draft or a, or a NBA draft or for a major league baseball draft, it just demonstrates the power of the NFL, the ability to create an event out of a selection process. I, I, I knew Chet Simmons, who was the first president of ESPN, and he told me how he had gone to Pete Rozelle and uh, said, we want to televise your draft. And Roselle's response was, why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> why would you? But they created drama out of it and they created interest, national interest. And uh, it's essentially primes the pump for everybody to get excited about their teams all over again for the fall. And, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's become a major ratings grabber, a multi-network ratings grabber. And, you know, from a competitive standpoint, diverts attention away from basketball and hockey and baseball for, for a night or two. And, uh, you know, does, does very, very well in the ratings. And now with the proliferation of legalized betting, not everywhere, but in a lot of places, the amount the volume of gambling on even events like tonight will be off the charts. Yeah, I, my, my son was checking to see what the odds were for um, Trevor Lawrence not being selected by Jacksonville. Now, and it's, you know, it's, it's off the charts, but they will take a bet if, if, you, if you're in the right place. You know, it, it's going to have to be managed in some fashion. There's obviously a lot of pitfalls, but in terms of, and, and that's the research that I've seen, that Gambling doesn't necessarily draw more people to watch something, but it engages them longer. Uh, the example I always use is if it's a here in New York, a Knicks Sacramento game in mid-February and a Tuesday night. Well, it may not be that interesting, but if you've got a proposition bet riding on something in the third quarter, then you're watching. And that's the thing. If you come up with a variety of ways for people to get involved, further involved with the game or with the event or with a draft, then uh, it adds to the enhanced ratings value of what you're putting on the air. So an exception to that would be the event going on this weekend where the average sports fan probably doesn't watch a whole lot of horse racing, but traditionally would watch the Kentucky Derby. And then you'd know better than me what the fall off is from the Kentucky Derby to is it the Preakness that's next? And, and then Pre the Breeders? Normally, yeah. Last year it was the Belmont, then the Preakness because of the pandemic. Scheduling. It should be the Preakness and then the Belmont. So last year the the event ran in September. So that that's a massive disconnect, obviously. That hurt, and it was up against uh, all this competition from college football to pro football to everything. It just yeah, and it, so it got clobbered. Yeah, so it did a 4.8 on NBC last year. Here we are, normal time-ish, 
are there going to be people in the house, if you will, and down at, at the Derby? I yes, there's it's it's limited. Uh, I think about a third capacity in various parts of the infield and the stands, but they will have an audience, which will. And that's one thing we've sort of come to rediscover that people would complain about the the dawn of studio sports where nobody would show up and every kind of laughed about it. But when it happened, it was duller. I mean, I'll make the case that in particular, I thought bubble basketball for the NBA was spectacular. There was a level of passion the players had when they were just going at it. And it was just, you know, five on five that you rarely saw in even in, in regular playoffs. But for the most part, when you lose the fans, when you lose that buzz, when you lose the cheering and the booing, it, uh, it, it translates into a less compelling television experience. So they'll, they'll, they'll go back to having that this year for the Kentucky Derby. And what are you expecting ratings wise? It'll pop up to about its average for the last several years. I mean, look, it, it, which is far less than it used to be. I mean, these aren't the days of secretariat you know, one of the things to keep in mind is you know, the changing fortunes of sports media we were just talking about, the changing fortunes of sports. Back in the 1930s, the most popular sports in the United States were prize fighting and thoroughbred racing. Those were it. People would listen to radio broadcasts of thoroughbred racing of the Triple Crown. And, you know, millions of people would listen to it. That was all they had. They didn't have television. Uh, so things change and there's lots more distractions and lots more sports. Uh, there's not people following except people who are in the uh, thoroughbred racing, you know, avid fans set, you know, which horses have been qualifying for the Derby, but it's an exciting event. And when it's outdoors and people are there, you can create parties around it. It has history behind it. They'll do fine. They'll do fine. And if they can come up with a horse, as always, the issue is can come up with a horse that can make its way through the Preakness and into the Belmont, then the Belmont's the beneficiary of that because Triple Crown winners are rare and people love to follow that. Even if they have no interest in horse, horse racing in general, they will follow a Triple Crown race if it comes to pass. Impossible question to ask, but to, uh, easy to ask, impossible to answer. I, I misspoke. A couple of years back, we had our first disqualified post-finish event in horse racing. So we saw something happen and then it got undone very yep. controversially. Yes. It's impossible to answer because I'd say, but for the pandemic, what would the fallout be? Do you think there is still fallout from that or people have moved on? I think for the most part, people have moved on. I, I wouldn't surprise me if animal rights advocates utilize you know, this upcoming next several days to you know, talk about you know, the way horses have been treated at various thoroughbred tracks. I believe, you know, that, that came up in Southern California, you know, relatively recently. Um, but, you know, I think that it's competition, uh, it's tradition, it's something that casual sports fans tend to get into. I don't think there's going to be a, a huge fallout from that. At the same time, this isn't like the glory days of thoroughbred racing back 60, 70 years ago. It's just not the same level of interest that it used to be. And again, I come back to the, to the betting question. There is so much more opportunity to wager on everything every day. Um, that's got to be a killer for horse racing. 
Yeah, I mean, it used to be that was the only betting game in town. And now, you know, increasingly, if you can, you know, bet on your football team, bet on your hockey team, bet on your basketball team or baseball team that you're following on a daily basis, then that probably will attract uh, a substantial amount of attention and a st- substantial amount of, uh, of uh, betting, uh, betting money. All right, final question, because I want to be mindful of your time. This has been awesome. Lurking somewhat in the background of all this, I'm putting in air quotes, TV, is Amazon. Mm-hmm. You know, they were, you watch a baseball game now, like I haven't watched one on a national broadcast, but it used to be the guy who would hit a home run and you would see the AWS data on how far the ball would travel. Um, they, they, they dabbled a little bit early on in some, in some baseball and some basketball and some NFL games, clearly uh, prime going up against other, other streaming providers is real. Uh, Some of the principals at Amazon on the side are investors and principals in the new Seattle hockey team. Where do you think Amazon sits in the new era of sports broadcasting as we evolve that definition they have quietly become and it's interesting that amazon would be quiet about anything given their size given their scope but they have quietly become from a sports standpoint a major force to be reckoned with they've moved slowly they did a you know an nfl game the last couple of years uh they streamed on a non-exclusive basis they stream thursday night football uh they, they had one exclusive game that they put on but they have co. They are co-owners of the New York Yankees Yes Network. Uh, they are airing U.S. Open tennis in Europe. They are airing uh, exclusively Boxing Day matches for the Premier League, which is a major event uh, in the U.K. Uh, I think they're picking up La Liga matches in, in European soccer quietly, but stealthily and steadily. They're picking up more and more major sports properties. And now they will be uh, the exclusive home for the bulk of Thursday night football starting in 2023. Although there are some rumors that they may possibly start in 2022 taking that position. If you have essentially an exclusive package of NFL rights, uh, then you have become a major player in sports in the United States. And they've stepped up mightily from a uh, financial standpoint. Again, it's around the roughly estimated $2 billion figure in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, investment. And, uh, you know, it's presumably any other major package. And I would assume that as the NBA becomes available and the NBA has stated very specifically that they are offering up, uh, they want to have streaming as a major increased part of their deal. I assume Amazon will be bidding. And by the way, I fully expect that you're gonna see deals being cut by you know, Apple TV Plus. Uh, you know, Twitter has done sports in the past. Uh, you know, there could be a substantial number of streamers that are ready to step up. And by the way, you know, streaming is a major part of every part of the NFL deals now. You have Peacock owned by Comcast. You have Paramount Plus owned by Viacom CBS. You have ESPN Plus owned by Disney, all of whom are offering up a substantial amount of 
of sports content. Uh, and while they're part of legacy broadcasters, they're now transforming these broadcasters into very much uh, streaming uh, emphasized platforms going forward. So Amazon is very, very competitive. They have the revenues to step up wherever they want to. They have a different business model. They're looking to drive subscriptions for Prime, but overall, they are doing uh, you know, a spectacular job in establishing their presence and coming up with major high profile sports properties that help them drive their business, that make them a, a very much uh, you know, feared competitor for sports rights going forward. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if you saw that, I'm, I'm sure you did, who am I to tell you the news, but they hired uh, Mark Patrick today, uh, former Nike exec to head up sports marketing at Amazon. Yeah, they, they, have the, they now have the mass of inventory, ad inventory and marketing rights to fully exploit. And, you know, they do uh, all or nothing deals, all or nothing, their documentaries. They've done it with NFL clubs. They've done it with Premier League clubs. I think they've done it with uh, Tottenham, where they essentially offer up an all or nothing uh, documentary along with a, a exclusive merchandise window on Amazon for Tottenham merchandise. So... I, you know, they have so many different ways to commercialize these rights because ultimately from their standpoint, if it helps them drive prime subscriptions and then in turn subscribers not only watch the games, but they also buy soap and, and luggage and any other sort of, uh, you know, good that they're offering up on Amazon, then it's a profitable deal for them. And, uh, Again, they 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 brought in uh, Jim DiLorenzo, uh, you know, previously uh, for their sports group. So and Marie Donahue comes from ESPN. So they've they've made a number of moves to create a very strong sports media organization as as part of their overall offer, set of offerings. And do you think that eventually they will be the ones that pivot sports watching from a marketing perspective into the realm of customization and personalization so that products that we see in and around the game will look different to me than they will to you and that they'll start using data that they have on all of us because we're prime members to make a more personalized experience you know it, it's always a good thing i was reminded a long time ago and and uh, it's still the case they're the world's largest retailer they know more about us in terms of our buying habits, our consuming habits than everyone and anyone else. And look, there's a lot of programmatic advertising, a lot of customized advertising being developed. But as you mentioned, next gen stats for coming from Amazon, from their cloud service, that's just the, the tip of the iceberg in terms of what they can do. So if anybody's gonna create a customized set of ads and spots, it's somebody with the enormous cloud computing capacity of Amazon who can really pull that off. So yeah, I, I fully expect that will be a, a major thrust of what they're doing going forward. He is Lee Burke. He is a guru on all things sports broadcasting and broadcasting deals. We are lucky to have him with us today. This has been an awesome first conversation. As I alluded to earlier, I'm hoping it is the first of many and we can check in with you from time to time as these things happen. Uh, you can hear him and read his work elsewhere. Obviously, you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you like on all of your different podcasts. Lee, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.